0: FM Breakfast Show with the double L team Lyle and Lawson. Good morning and welcome everybody. We are so glad that you are joining us here on Faith FM this morning, 87.6, 87.8, or 88, right across Australia. Special shout out to a number of different listeners this morning. Who have we got here? Henty in New South Wales, listening on 88, Kangaroo Island in South Australia, uh, the island that is doing the best that they can to get rid of feral cats. Well done. They're listening (laughs) on 87.6 and Mundjong in Western Australia. I have butchered that one. Someone from Mundjong, just let us know how you pronounce that one. Uh, But also listening on 87.6, so... Uh, welcome to everybody. And a very special welcome because you are listening to Lyle this morning and Daniel. Daniel, So you've been we've been a little bit all over the place here recently. I've been away a fair bit. I'm back now. Hopefully to stay for a little bit. And Lawson is away. He is at the snow.
1: Uh, I, I couldn't even imagine that right now. As I was saying earlier today, left for church on Sabbath morning. Yes. It's four degrees. Yes. That's four degrees away from freezing point. Yes. I could not imagine being in the snow. During this period of time, So there's
0: about 20 degrees too cold. Yes. Yeah, when it's (laughs) 4 degrees, it's (laughs) 20 degrees too cold. Nah, I totally get it. And, of course, special prayers for Monica this morning, who is landed in hospital with COVID. Shout out to Mon. Love you, Mon. Hope you get better soon. Yep, so we're all praying for Mon this morning. Uh, Anyway, uh, Daniel, very quickly,
1: what are you thankful for? I am thankful for a supportive and wonderful and caring and understanding wife who's helped me get here this morning. You're listening to The Breakfast
0: Joe Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Graham Kendrick with Meekness and Majesty. The first hour of the show is going to be a little bit of a theme coming through in the music. See if you can figure out what it is and just text us through for extra bonus bragging points this morning. But uh, Deanne texted us through just now to say that she's listening from Townsville on 87.6. Praise the Lord. Weekdays. So. Well done, Deanne. Maybe you can text us through. Let us know where you are listening from across Australia here on The Breakfast Show.
1: Uh, Daniel, I was about to call you Lawson. Let me not call you Lawson. Let me call you Daniel. How can you mistake me for Lawson with this glorious Nebuchadnezzar-inspired beard?
0: Well, this is a very (laughs) valid point. (laughs) Um, You're an autopilot. The very sad thing thing about
1: your glorious Nebuchadnezzar-inspired beard is that nothing. you're on radio. Oh, that is true. Yes, and Everyone nobody gets see to it. see it. We should take some selfies later and put them on the face. Of the <laughs> <page>. <laughs> I'll even do the, the, the pose of the statue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump into the quiz. What's our first question today? First question today is Matthew's genealogy of Jesus begins with what person? All right, if you know the answer,
0: then give us a call. Uh, the number is zero four nine one zero six four six
1: six nine. That question again. Matthew's genealogy of Jesus begins with what person? All right, and our prizes today are our prize. They are fantastic. I actually want to just take them for myself, but unfortunately, we have to run this. See, quiz, this is so what happens when you come in and volunteer on the show. You don't get to participate. I know it's 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 for, it's for the bragging rights, I suppose, but it's it's stuff on Revelation, and it's also audio. I love listening to stuff. I'll get your halves on it. <laughs> so you can have the readable part of it. Okay, so there's uh, there's two prizes. Now, one's a two part prize, and you have a choice. So there's the Understanding Daniel and Revelation by Mark Finley. Now, that comes in book form or audio CD form. Take the audio CD. Take the book. Take the CD. Take the book. Take it to
0: bed with you. You can drive and Smell listen. Smell
1: the pages. I've got, see, I've got enough books. I, I never have enough books. That's a lie. But you can take it on a drive with you. You can't this technically read a book and drive, otherwise you'll end up with bail conditions, which we'll talk about later <laughs> <laughs> And to complement that, there is a Bible study journal, The Great Prophetic Books of Daniel and Revelation, and there's actual lines there for you to write your notes in, which is so helpful when you want to do Bible marking and then pass it on to your children so they can go, hey, Dad or Mum has put in some extra work here, and it's going to help them on their walk with the Lord. There you go. All right. So the number again is 0491
0: 064 669. If you know the answer to the quiz, you go into the draw for those outstanding prizes.
1: And right now, Daniel's going to bring us some positively different news. And this is so different. It blew my mind. There's a project called the Chip Bag Project. And it's run by, now, you butchered a name earlier. I'm going to do the same because I yes. don't want you to feel left out. Okay. By Thank you. Much through appreciate Through ignorance. I'm going to yep. show my uh-huh. ignorance now. Umrada ye olita.
0: Yeah, that you butchered that one. I know I I I, I just can tell.
1: <laughs> Whoever that is Yes, this person has put together a program where they have essentially set up this charity to say give us all of your old chip bags, Doritos, thins, lays, whatever you've got. They wash them in soapy water, clean them, process them, iron them, and then stitch them together with padding and create sleeping bags for the homeless. You're kidding. Nope. That but is, isn't that like super fragile? That is red hot. But they go through basically to sanitise them so that yes. they're nice and, and Yeah, but it's cheap and bag. I when mean, you them. just rip it apart really easy. And, and you've got these guys that are living outdoors doing it rough. Well, the padding and liners that they use from old coats line the insides. right. And then it's got the protection on the outside with the the foil pieces to it. Apparently it takes about four hours to sew a sleeping bag and takes anywhere from 150 to 300 chip bags, depending on the size of their single serve or family size. Um, And then it's basically a sleeping bag that's waterproof, lightweight and easy to carry around. So this is interesting because back in the day when I used to do a lot of bushwalking down in
0: Tasmania, because I grew up in Tasmania, I used to carry a uh, sheet of foil. Yep. Uh, It... it Probably folded up into something that was say hundred millimeters by seventy millimeters by about maybe five to seven millimeters thick. Easy to store. Easy to store. Lightweight. And the idea behind it was if you got hypothermia because it's not too hard to get hypothermia in the mountains of Tasmania. If you got hypothermia, you, you you wrap yourself up in this kind of like a space blanket kind of thing, and it reflects all of the all of your body heat straight back into yourself. And apparently they're very very effective. I never opened mine up. Never. You know, unwrapped it or used it in any way, but apparently they're incredibly effective. And I'm just sort of thinking, you know what? That was just kind of like a large chip
1: bag. Yeah. And you look at the camping and outdoor industry; it's a massive industry. Yes. And you have companies that are are producing, creating these things for a specific purpose. In that sense, and you'll you know, go on websites and find exactly what you're talking about. Yes. And they cost, you know, up to hundreds hundreds of dollars, whereas here, make one out of chip bags. They've created 110 sleeping bags since last December and have received more than 800,000 chip bags being sent through for processing. That is an That's, amazing I, process.
0: I, it's, it's awesome this, awesome to see things being recycled like that and it's just got my brain ticking over. It's like, well, next time I go hiking
1: in the cold country, I'm taking a bunch of chip bags, <laughs> stitching them together. I, 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 problem solved. What amazes me is the initiative and the idea about yeah. This. To sit there and go, to look at something and go, here's a problem, what's a solution? Or did it come from another side, seeing the chip bags and going, look, you've got these foil processes in, in tents and camping that you can use. How do we make something like that from what we've got? I think the chip companies should be sponsoring Crazy. this. Oh, 100%. I mean, they're getting so much free advertising. Exactly. And they've got their brand everywhere. Yep, and they've got deep pockets. Uh, yes, they do. What, they do. What, what party have you been to where there haven't been chips? Very few. Uh, yeah. Very few. Not, probably none. Probably none. <laughs> <laughs> Actually no, I've been to some pretty healthy ones at times.
0: But not that often. You can still have healthy chips. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's true, even the healthy part is for some reason corn chips are supposed to be healthier than potato chips. Well, I'm, I, I I'm wondering whether why corn is healthy better for you than potatoes. And I've always wondered whether that was just
1: a bit of a myth. Because the process that corn takes what days? Well, corn, potato is
0: just sort of potato sliced up and turned into chips, whereas corn is crushed and processed and has just as much oil and salt in it as the chips.
1: mushed together is. and baked. Yeah, and yeah, yeah so yeah. forth. But I, mean, I suppose it's better for people like myself who have, oh, I hate this, people like myself who have a gluten and dairy intolerance mm-hmm. because a lot of the potato chips out there, anything that's not just plain salted will have some kind of milk product or gluten product associated with it, whereas the corn it's, chips are usually free of all that. There is a, there is a health aspect yeah, to it in that yeah, sense, yeah. but yep. in the way of you know calories and weight gain, wouldn't have the science on the hand. No idea. Me either. You can take their word for it. Somebody who does know can uh, let us know. Uh, we've got someone. Here, someone here's here
0: texting through. We've got uh, uh, Sally from Adelaide,
1: who is listening on the Faith FM app. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah, let's know where you're listening from this morning. All right. Second story. This is. This is also great. So There's a guy named Elliot Middleton who's the owner of a barbecue restaurant in America and he's also a former auto mechanic who in his free time repairs and gives away used cars. Nice. There was a lady by the name of Melanie Lee uh, in Christmas a couple of years back and she lost her 33-year-old son who had a, a long battle with illness and then a car broke down and she's like, oh, "This is, I've lost my son, my car's not working, how am I supposed to take care of my dr- grandchildren? And So Elliot heard about this through her cousin, who's also the mayor of the town, Fix up a car. He took it over to her on Christmas, dropped it off. No questions asked, no anything back. Here's the keys. Go forth, get what you need to get done. And the idea initially came from he was running a food stall, like a food drive at his barbecue place, and all these homeless people would turn up, but they would have to walk for miles to get to his shop. And he looked around and realised that there was you know, no Uber, no Lyft, no transportation for the homeless to be able to freely move around the city. And so he started creating this project where he would fix up old cars and he started giving away racks of ribs and things from his barbecue restaurant if people would bring in their old beat-up cars. Oh, nice. And he would repair them and give them on to people who were less fortunate and would need them. And it's, it's amazing because that's just pure kindness. It is. He, Absolutely. He, he, the only thing he gets from it is the act itself. That's right. Like Jesus. He's, so he's giving away food... From his business, yep, and giving away cars from his hobby, yep, and it's hundred percent selfless. It's absolutely amazing. Apparently, he's had up to uh, more than a hundred cars in various states of disrepair. So probably, obviously, some would need a lot more work than others would. But
0: <laughs> yeah, and I'm just sort of wondering about his wife and having a hundred cars in the backyard. Um, wondering how that <laughs> would, would go down.
1: I, I don't know that. You know, I could do this. I you're could, a car connoisseur. How do you. <laughs> I could do this. I don't know how. I don't know how. Produce, shell. How do you feel? <laughs> <laughs> She's shaking her head. She's vigorously shaking her head. Lots of, lots of
0: no's there. Sure
2: that they weren't there all at the same time. Probably one at a time. <laughs> you Fix one, got, give it
0: away. Fix one, give it away. You might <laughs> a few acres there. Who knows? I think it's a fantastic idea. I think I should start doing this. Um <laughs> New ministry project. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. All right, we should move on with the show. See if you can figure out the theme for our songs this morning. This one is called Softly and Tenderly. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Softly and tenderly. So keep an ear out. See if you can figure out what the uh, theme for the first hour of the music might be this morning. It's pretty subtle. You'll be doing well if you can sort it out. All right, we've got uh, somebody texting through here. They say, oh, this is Freco. says he's listening from in front of the fire.
1: Oh, that's the best yes. place to be. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well done, Freco, On a beautiful, Crisp
1: cold winter morning. There's nothing like... In likes. front of the fire yes. is the best place to be. My, is, my, absolutely. Um, my beautiful wife suffers from asthma. My daughter suffers from asthma. So fireplaces places, are a no-no for us. We've got a, a reverse cycle air conditioner and a couple of oil heaters. It's just not the same. No, no not the same. Nothing like a fire. All right, um, Daniel, let's have our next question for, an hour for our quiz. All right, question two. Matthew's genealogy of Jesus also included a woman that tricked her father-in-law into sleeping with her. What was her name? All
0: right, is the number to call if you know the name of this particular woman and you'll go in the draw for the prize. It's very specific. There's not too much of that in the Bible. No, we had this story recently on our 20 Million Movement
1: Bible study. Hint, hint, hint. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dropping those hints in. I'll go again one more time for those who may have missed it. Matthew's genealogy of Jesus also included a woman that tricked her father-in-law into sleeping with her. What was her name? Ah, right, if you know the answer, text a call zero four nine one zero six four six six nine, and you'll have the chance to go in the draw for Understanding Revelation by Mark Finley. Like I said I'm, just, I'm probably just going to buy these myself and add it to the add it to the ever-growing collection of texts and. Books and research I have at home. (laughs) Never-ending research. Indeed. All right, moving on to some more uh,
0: serious news here this morning. The Carlton Football Club's uh, Adam Saad has expressed his disappointment over an Islamophobic remark that was allegedly directed at him by a spectator spectator during Saturday night's game. And it's been good to see the response to this. Uh, The Carlton Cheer Squad posted on Twitter that they were frustrated with the response by the police and the security at the Oval, well, thats that's not the, the best part of it. They said the, the, the cops and the security and the ground staff talked to her and uh, came back and said it's been dealt with, um, leave it alone, and they were disappointed that she wasn't kicked out of the ground. Ah, eh, you know, it's a football game. People get excited at a football game. It's not too hard to go past the point that you should and say something that you shouldn't.
1: Step over the line in your rebel rousing.
0: I think in the rebel rousing at a football game, it's probably actually remarkably common for someone to step over the line. Yeah. Not that there's ever any excuse for that. There's, You know, and, and yeah, it should be addressed, but are we going to start kicking people out of the game every time they step over the line and where are we going to draw that line? It's it's, it's interesting. Anyway, um, it's been described as being absolutely disgraceful. Now, the AFL issued a statement on Sunday saying that it is investigating the alleged comments made by The Spectator. They said football is a place of inclusion and belonging. All so football. AFL, AFL, go AFL. AFL is into inclusion and belonging. Not like the NRL. <laughs> they, said they continue on, nobody in our game or in the community deserves to be discriminated and vilified against due to their faith. Praise the Lord. See, this is why you should follow AFL, not NRL. Uh, there's simply no excuse for it. The Adelaide Football Club has also confirmed that it is investigating, and they said, "We do not tolerate, or we do not tolerate, and strongly condemn any form of discriminatory behaviour, behaviour as it has no place in football. All society, Adelaide Oval should be an inclusive and family friendly
1: environment." now i I wonder, would the same zeal be present if it was Christian s- rather than Islamic? Yes, a slur against a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's different, but <laughs> wow, hey. They've set a
0: precedent here. They have. Let's hold them to the precedent. I think it's an excellent precedent. No takesies, backsies. That's right. (laughs) They've said it. (laughs) They've said it. They've said that this should be a place of inclusion and belonging, whereas, I mean, NRL is just a place of massive exclusion. Uh, It's only inclusion if you agree with them.
1: It, it's, this is really interesting. So I watched a video on Facebook in the past uh, month or two, and it was a bunch of fighters from the UFC who, when they win their fights, win championships, win belts, whatever it was, they'd come out and say, you know, I've got to thank, 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 thank. I want to thank Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And it happened a bunch of times. There's actually a fighter who won the belt and then went, I'm, I'm pretty much done with this. I'm not interested anymore. I feel empty. I'm going to go get into ministry and serve Jesus he essentially gave up his belt and left fighting to go into ministry. Now what was interesting about that was Dana White, who's the head of UFC, was uh, in an interview after a bunch of these guys had professed their love of Christ and said, you know, when you win your belt, you don't no need to go on about all this stuff and and thanking Jesus and whatever, just get your belt, thank the people that helped you get there and and move on. Practice your religion at home. We don't want it here. Basically, we don't want it here in in public. And that set a really obvious precedent there of don't don't bring that stuff into. Whereas here, we've got an opportunity now where people are like, you know, why can't I openly profess that Christ is my King? Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, so many so many contradictions in today's society. I've got uh, Janelle texting through. She's listening from Chambers Flat in Brisbane, and she listens listens in via tune in Radio. So go for it, Janelle. So many ways people can tune in. Absolutely. Let us know where you're listening from this morning. Okay, we did talk about bail conditions. This is interesting. It sort of got my it sort of got my brain uh, ticking over. So you've got this fellow by the name of Greg Rolls and his bail conditions are that he must produce on demand his computer and mobile phone for police inspection and tell them his passwords. He's not allowed to use any encrypted messaging apps like Signal or WhatsApp. Uh, he can only have one mobile phone. Uh, there's a list of 38 people. Many of them obviously his friends, who he's not allowed to associate with in any way.
1: Um he's not even allowed to press the like button on social media. I feel like this has more sinister undertones you're not going to go into.
0: Well you you've got history in the police <laughs> force, and
1: so you know how bail works and how bail conditions work.
0: Uh, it's too, it's many, it's too it's many red flags straight away. It's- And, and it's not so much, it's not so much that I disagree with this guy having strict bail conditions. It, I just reading this story, this guy was a blockade Australia protester. And so, you know, he's guilty for causing significant financial damage to Australia. And while I might support some of the causes that these people were protesting about, I don't support those kinds of protests you don 't go and hurt other people to protest. Mm. There are ways of protesting without hurting others, and so yes, there should be penalties when you hurt other people. I, I get that, but what I, I was just reading through the story just to see where the story was going, and I suddenly thought you know when you look at Revelation chapter thirteen and you look at the the uh, imposing of restrictions on religious liberty that comes through in Revelation thirteen before the return of Jesus. And you get these kinds of things where you can't even like something on social media and I just suddenly thought, you know what, we need to as Christians, it was just a message to me, we need as Christians to be preparing ourselves to be able to stand alone mm. because what I see in Revelation 13 is a time coming when we could be just simply through bail conditions cut off from all earthly support.
1: And you can see this story as a slippery slope argument for a process of that happening, can't you?
0: Oh, absolutely. I, you know, if we do this for somebody who is is being uh, prosecuted for their ideology, yeah. Okay, they're being prosecuted for their ideology. Well, a little bit more than that, and their actions. It's not a big. It's not a big jump to go from climate ideology to religious ideology. That's not a huge leap. No. And I could see that leap being taken, particularly as I see some of the movements around the world in relationship to religious liberty. And I've always thought, you know, the great thing about being part of a faith community is the support that you get from other people when you are going through times of difficulty. Amen. We need to have a faith that will survive without any earthly support going through times of difficulty because that's potentially, well, that's, you know, according to the
1: Bible, that's what we are facing in the future. And there's something so important about communion with each other. Yes. Fellowship with each other, having that support. And then, you know, we looked at the human interest stories earlier of people who were just selfless in giving and helping. Um, I had somebody at church on Saturday. I was talking about some hardships that we're going through, and they said, oh, look, you know, I've done my taxes and sold the house and and whatever else. I've got about about $2,000 sort of aside. If you need a hand with anything, just let me know. And I'm like, I really appreciate it. I think we're good. Um, But, you know, I'm... Very thankful. Sort of like, did God reach out to you and and impress this upon you? He was just wanting to help people. Praise God. It's a beautiful thing. It it absolutely is. We need more more of that kind of thing in our world today. All right,
0: we're going to move on. Uh, Tell us the theme for our songs this morning. This is glory and honor. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Once again, see if you can pick what Shell's subtle theme with the music is this morning and shoot us a text message or give us a call for extra bragging rights.
1: You need, you need to put more emphasis on the...
0: Yeah, on no, the, no, <laughs> no, 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 on no, the clue. All
1: right, let's have the next question for our quiz. Continuing Matthew's genealogy, in Matthew's genealogy of Jesus, it includes five women, but one of them isn't named... And is simply referred to as the wife of. What was her name? Okay, number to call is zero four nine one zero six four double six nine. Or text your answers through. Okay, fantastic. So that question. One more time, just very quickly. Matthew's genealogy of Jesus includes five women, but one of them isn't named. There is simply they are simply referred to as the wife of. What is her name? Okay.
0: Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text if you know the answer to go in the running for this week's prize. We're well, joining us on the phone this morning from Asian Aid is Sue Burke. Sue, welcome to the show. Hi guys, how are you? Yeah, we're doing fantastically. Sue, we spoke somewhat last month about the floods in Bangladesh. And we want to talk about that again today because obviously the work over there is progressing. We, we need to get an update of where things are up to. But just to remind our listeners, we've had some really horrific flooding, well, here in the Newcastle area where The Breakfast Show is broadcasting mm-hmm. from in recent times. What's the difference when major flooding hits a developing country compared to, say, Australia, which is a very wealthy, very, very developed country. What does what it – just draw us a picture of what it actually looks like. What kind of things are people seeing there in Bangladesh when major flooding hits?
2: Well, if I could just backtrack a little bit, Lyle, because as I've spoken about before, we were living in Warhope and we got flooded ourselves, so we had 70 centimetres of water through our own home and had to – leave our life on the lawn so to speak mm-hmm. and actually and that was a year, over a year and a half ago and then two Sabbaths ago I went to on the invitation one of my team members her church and I saw a lady who had actually come every day and prayed over the team that was cleaning up for us and I actually couldn't speak to her. I got so overcome with emotion and I reflected to Second Samuel, you know, you Lord are my lamp. The Lord turns my darkness into light and that's how I feel our schools are in Bangladesh. You know, we live in very, they live in very vulnerable communities, you know, grass, shacks, mud huts. They don't have a lot anyway. But what our schools do is they provide the beacon of light so that children can flourish in faith and future prospects. Mm. And with those schools being closed down, it really makes a massive impact to the community because they don't have the children being provided two meals a day. They don't have a safe place for the children to go. And if you consider Bangladesh in particular has had the world's largest lockdown. So they've had, if you think about how long Melbourne was, they've nearly had three times the amount of lockdowns to what Victoria had. So they're already behind. So a big flood like this, when there's not the SES, we called them angels, the fire brigade, the army, the SES coming to move your stuff. And it's so sudden. It's really hard to explain the smell and, and, you know, what happens during that process. You really feel quite bereft and it's quite a dark place. So imagine if you've got bare minimum and you're just living on survival only and your beacon of light, which is your school, is closed again. So, you know, it's, I know it's been bad for everyone. I can speak for myself, it's yes. been a struggle. However, I don't have to worry about putting food on the table. So we've distributed food relief to 24 Adventist children, 244 Adventist children's families. But before we go, there, before we
0: go there, just if I could yep. jump in, if, sure. I, if I could, um, because I, I really do want to get to the work that you're doing there. Yeah. And I don't want to in any way diminish the trauma of what you went through in Warhope and what you know so many people oh, have gone it, through here in the Hundred Valley. But you have to, Lyle. In, in, in many ways. You have
2: because there's no government support so you don't have the flood relief payment you don't have the ability of moving there was an army here during the flood let alone all the ses from all around the all around australia came and they were helping us they don't have that so it is chalk and cheese it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt or impact your heart any less, but it's a desperate time. You know, that's the. I mean, we all felt that if you've been flooded, you feel that sense of hopelessness. But when you lose your one beacon of light within your community, then your heart, you know, it's like God's light's been covered up, and it isn't, and that's the work we do. We shine, continue to shine God's light through our schools.
0: So when it happened to you, and obviously you've got mm. 700 millimetres of water running through your home, uh, yep. you're obviously not living in that home. You've moved out and you're living somewhere else under a roof, somewhere else. Were you couch surfing with friends? Were you at a at uh, <coughs> an evacuation centre?
2: No, no, we were actually very lucky. We moved straight into an apartment. We'd been saving money for building our new house. So we had the money to pay a deposit straight away until we got our deposit back because we've been only renting because we're building. Yes. So we were in a really we came out with two camp chairs, we borrowed a futon, and we had ten bags of wet clothes and. And, and you have That's a roof over basically. your head and
0: food in your stomach. Okay, so let, yes. let's let's contrast Different. that for a moment with the with the average person who's been wiped out with the floods in Bangladesh, mm-hmm. and they're put out of their home. They've lost their school. Uh, what conditions are they living in when they when they move out of their home? Are they moving into an evacuation center? Are they couch surfing? Have they got an apartment? Um, what are they living in? Yes. Yeah, so there's no kind of couch surfing.
2: These people have such limited resources. So they will be staying with friends and family, but in already very cramped conditions. So they might still be in a mud hut, but instead of five people in the family, there'd be now 10. And food prices have gone through the roof, and obviously because they've lost a lot of crops, so even their gardens that they grew their own food has been damaged. So that's why it's been really important that mm-hmm. we've worked really hard to open the schools so we can use them to provide food relief straight away. Now the task is to clean up.
0: Yes. Now you, meant, you started to mention earlier some of the food relief that you've been able to hand mm-hmm. out, and I think it was, uh, what, 244 families that you've provided food relief for? Yeah,
2: well, that's just for the adventists. Of- the children attending the Adventist schools. We've done over a hundred additional food relief for other families impacted, and obviously there's a massive repair and maintenance program for seven Adventist schools, and they're the key seven that we've been working with the local union that we've assessed that has what I would call significant infrastructure damage. So the classroom floors have had mud up to six inches in height and furniture damage, toilets have been blocked and become inappropriate to use. There needs to be some cement slabs now poured, we need to get the sewage fixed, and basically get schools open. We've had to replace some windows and doors in the classroom, fencing and gates. And also the playgrounds need to be levelled up because they were obviously washed through. And having experienced my neighbour's pot plant on my bed, you get a lot of refuge through your lawn and there's a huge cleanup that needs to take to make the playground safe for the children as well.
0: You talk about the toilets being blocked up and this kind of thing. Sanitation would be, I would think, incredibly challenging. Uh, Fresh water. What's the situation with the availability of fresh water during a flood like this and clean fresh water? Yeah. So we've been providing what they call um,
2: water purifying tablets. So, um, and getting fresh water. We have some filtration systems available for them to get fresh water, but even cleaning water is difficult. So just to, if you wanted to, it's not a simple matter of just getting a hose from your backyard and hosing out your house. You know, people are getting buckets of water to try to wash the mud away. Everything is complicated and on steroids in a developing world because there's just everything has to be done manually. It's not as easy, well, not that it's easy, I don't want to say that, but it's it just provides so many additional problems in terms of the bridges being washed out, the major roads being washed out. How can our kids get to school if there's no bridge or there's no road? And they're the things that we're working really hard with the union and local government officials to really assess how we can open the schools in the next few weeks. And my understanding is they feel like they'll be in that position, but they'll still have to be probably a year's worth of work in the infrastructure component to truly get the schools back on where they
0: should be. So that's that's encouraging. If I heard you correctly, there's the possibility of these seven schools being open again sometime in a matter of weeks rather than months. Is that correct?
2: Yes, yeah, for basic learning. Sure. So that's what we're trying to do at this point. And keeping in mind that our partner has been amazing. I mean, our partner in Bangladesh is amazing anyway. Um, it's actually being run by a former sponsored child. Um, and his passion obviously far extends beyond just a normal head of head of a charity because he's lived the experience. Evasion Aid being sponsored right through, and now he runs that through our Bangladesh partner. So he's they've been volunteering hours, the union's been volunteering hours. This is a team church, team Christian effort, and that's what when I said that sort of the Lord, the Lord on my lamp, the Lord turns my darkness into light. We say give hope today, but we also say beacons of light. And it's, that's how we really feel our schools are. To show that true Christian spirit when people are in their deepest, darkest times, I think is a really important part of the work we do.
0: Yeah, and as you think about the trauma that people are experiencing, it must be incredibly encouraging for them to see the schools reopening and you know the kids going back to school, things starting back up again, you know, after all of these hard hits, it 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 must be certainly shining a, a, a light into people's minds. A question that went through my mind is: you've got a warm climate and a lot of water around. Mm. Uh, that seems to me to be an ideal breeding ground for mosquitoes, other bugs, diseases, and so forth. Are they are they dealing with major outbreaks of uh, of disease yeah. as a result of this? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So the government reports that absolutely there's been a. Um, an outbreak of things like malaria, what they call water, water-borne disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as part of what we've been doing is providing things like mosquito netting.
0: Yes. You I've know, got, uh-huh.
2: so I know that sounds like, oh, that's not a lot, but in these countries, they don't have a lot. So to be able to replace and replenish at least something so that they can continue to eat, recover. I mean, I don't know how many blows someone has to go through before they feel like they've been abandoned. And that's not what we do and that's not what God does. And that's part of the work we try to instill instil in these, these countries where we work, which are not predominantly Christian, in fact, They're the minority, so to really help them shine their own light is really an important work and their communities, but it's a really important part of our work.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and i just got to say that having uh, slept in environments where mosquitoes have been thick at times, you might say mosquito nets is not a lot, but... When you've got to sleep in one of those places, believe me, a mosquito is a lot. And it's one of those really inexpensive things that can make such a massive difference in a person's life and make them feel more human again to be able to get that good night's sleep and, more importantly, to be protected from disease. Sue Burke, very quickly before we finish up, people sure. that want to support what's happening in the, the recovery efforts there in Bangladesh, how do they get in contact with Asian Aid?
2: Yeah, so if they go to our website, which is... Asianaid.org.au, and the two key areas that we're dealing with at the moment is the Family Food Fund, which is providing food relief, and then and the Building Fund, and they're both on the website, or they can call our office, and obviously one of the girls would be happy to take their donations. Like we really support, we really really um, love the work and support you guys give us at Face FM because it allows the voiceless to have a voice and we just really wanted to thank you for helping highlight this really tricky time for these families and that's what we really want to do is continue to shine the light
0: on those most vulnerable Uh, praise god that's how we work together this is trust and obey
1: thanks for being a part of the faith fm family join our community on facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM